0: just happened is actually a really good sermon illustration. I went to go kiss my wife um, while being broadcast for Graceland Church Online, and she turned me down. (laughs) I don't know if she saw it coming. It seemed like she did, but she chose to turn away. The title of today's message is Facing Failure. (laughs) What do we do when we fail at our best attempts? I've been trying to kiss this woman for many years, and uh, she just turned me down this morning. We welcome you guys to Graceland Church. Thank you for leading us uh, in worship, hun. um, I did have a different opening story, and I'm still going to share it. I remember being around 10, 11 years old, and I was the pitcher uh, for the baseball team that I was on, and I wasn't great, but I enjoyed it, and I, of course, was trying to get better. And there was this one particular game where I started off okay, but then I just started Uh, throwing ball after ball. I couldn't get uh, the baseball into the strike zone. I wasn't sure what was going on, and I can't remember how many batters I walked, but it was enough that I was really feeling the pressure on the mound. I wasn't sure what to do. I was giving it my best effort. I felt like I was letting my team down, and eventually the coach uh, had to take me out of the game. And it was one of my early tastes of failure, Failure feels horrible, kind of like when you try to kiss your wife while being filmed and she turns the other way. Failure doesn't feel good. Sometimes, though, these are kind of small, silly examples. Uh, we can face very serious failure in our lives. We can fail um, in ways that hurt others. We can fail in ways that hurt ourselves. And the question today is how do we face failure? We're studying uh, the life of Peter. And a bit of the thesis today is that failure is uh, inevitable and necessary. Failure is painful, but failure is actually your friend as a follower of Jesus. It's interesting that the story we're going to look at is one of the things that Peter is most well known for. And it's one of his weakest moments and greatest failures when he denied Jesus three times. Why does God include these stories in the Bible about immense failure? I think it's to constantly remind us that God loves us and uses us as regular, flawed people. That's good news for you. It's good news for me. The context here is it's getting close to where Jesus was going to be handed over and crucified, And he was having his last supper with his disciples. He had just let them know that one of them was going to betray him, and it was Judas. Uh, And then they walk elsewhere, and we pick up in Matthew 26. And we're going to read verses 31 all the way to 75. Um, Because we're not in the room in person today, it won't be on screen. I encourage you to turn to Matthew 26 right now. Grab your Bible, or you can use your computer or your phone. We're going to start at verse 31. Then Jesus told them, this very night, you will all fall away on account of me. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. Picture the moment. Jesus just told his trusted disciples that they would all fall away from him. It is not what you want to hear from your leader and your teacher. You want to hear things like you can do it. You are going to make it. Not every single one of you is going to fall away. Number one, you will come to the end of yourself. Like the disciples were about to in this season with Jesus, all of us at some point in our life will reach our own limitations. I like how Chuck DeGroat says it. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Those who've encountered their limitations, who've come to the very end of themselves. It's one of the things that we're remembering in this season of Lent. Uh, Lent starts on Ash Wednesday and goes 40 days up until Easter. And we're, we're remembering the 40 days that Jesus fasted in the wilderness and encountered his own weakness, but the Lord kept him strong. And we remember our own brokenness and failure before the Lord, in this season. And I love how right in verse 32, reading on, we get a promise about God's faithfulness. But after I have risen, Jesus said, I will go ahead of you into Galilee. I find that amazing when you juxtapose it with what he just said. You will all fall away. You will all fail. And then he says, after I have risen. He's saying, you will fall, but I will rise. He's reminding us, you will oftentimes in your life be unfaithful and a failure because of depravity of man, because of our sinful nature, because of our poor decision-making. But God is reminding us right away that he is always the faithful one. Number two, despite your failure, resurrection is coming. I love that promise. And that is true for you today. Wherever you find yourself, despite whatever failure, failure you are in, resurrection is coming. Then Peter replied in verse 33, even if all fall away on account of you, Jesus, I never will. Truly, I tell you, Jesus answered this very night before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. But Peter declared, even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. And all the other disciples said the same. I find this moment fascinating because Jesus is confronting Peter with the truth about his own brokenness and upcoming failure. I had a moment like that in my life in my teenage years. You may have heard me share it before, I'm not sure, but my dad was a pastor, my mom was a pastor, they still are, and I was a young pastor's kid and I was doing my high school teenage thing. I think I was about 15, 16 year olds, 15 or 16 years old at the time, Uh, really just concerned with my own affairs and living my life, trying to enjoy it, going to school, hanging out with my friends, playing with my band. And the youth pastor at the church that my parents were a part of uh, started to try to peg me as kind of a leader for the youth ministry. And so he started sharing some vision with me and trying to recruit me into, I think it was small group leadership and my dad was aware of what was happening. And before it could get too far, my dad sat me down in my room one day and just confronted me. And he did not do this often. And he said something like, Nathan, I'm glad Pastor James, that was his name, is, is wanting you to become a leader. Um, I think he probably said, I think you could be a wonderful leader, but I know your life. I know where you're at with the Lord and, and you're not ready. And either you're gonna talk to Pastor James or I'm gonna. And I was like, what? I was like, what, Dad? How could you possibly say that? My, my my first reaction was anger, but it was kind of like in in a much lesser sense. This moment with Jesus and Peter, where Jesus is saying, "Listen, you're gonna you're gonna disown me," and Peter was passionate and probably even fresh, and said, "No, I won't." Kind of like me to my dad when confronted with that truth, I was like, "No, no, no, I I I can do this. I have this gift. I should step into this." And it's interesting. Pre-failure Peter was filled with pride. And pre-failure me, just like pre-failure all of us, we are filled with pride. Number three, a sure sign of future failure is pride. It's all throughout scripture. Pride comes before the fall. And even God opposes the proud. So if we find ourselves reacting to the confrontation of truth in our own lives in that kind of defensive way and our passionate plea that we will, we will never fail, we should check our own heart for pride because we see what happens in the rest of this story, picking up in verse 36. Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place a place called Gethsemane. And he said to them, sit here while I go over there to pray. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Imagine Jesus saying that to you. This is Jesus who healed diseases. This is Jesus who commanded the wind and the waves. This is Jesus who cast out every demon he ever encountered. The son of the living God. He said to his disciples, my soul is is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Verse 39, going a little farther, he fell with his face to the ground, Jesus, and he prayed, my father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me. Yet not as I will, but as you will. This is an incredibly significant moment in the life of Jesus But in verse 40, he goes back to his disciples disciples, and he found them sleeping. Couldn't you men keep watch with me for one hour, he asked Peter. So think of this, right after Peter's passionate declaration that he would lay down his life for Jesus, he couldn't even obey the simple request to stay awake and keep watch at one of the most significant moments in Jesus' life. So then he says again in verse 41, watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is weak. I'm sorry, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. He went away a second time and prayed, my father, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, may your will be done. When he came back, he again found them sleeping because their eyes were. Were heavy. The disciples seemed unable to obey the command of Jesus in this significant moment. Verse 44, so he left them and went away once more and prayed the third time, saying the same thing. Then he returned to the disciples and said to them, are you still sleeping and resting? Look, the hour has come and the son of man is delivered into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. So three different times, Peter and the disciples really disobeyed Jesus and let him down in this challenging moment. And it is indicative of a deeper truth that we see all throughout scripture. Number four, despite your greatest efforts, you are unable to fully obey the commands of God, as am I. I can try my hardest to follow completely the way of Jesus and uphold the law of the Lord in my heart, in my mind, and in all my actions, but I will fail. This is actually good news because the bad news that we are sinful and broken and helpless without God is what makes the good news so good. And this is part of what makes failure your friend because failure speaks the truth to you that you can do nothing apart from him. Yet he has said, I have done everything for your salvation. It is by grace through faith that you are saved. It is the gift of God. All we have to do is think about the 10 commandments. Do not bear false witness. I guarantee everyone listening to my voice right now has, has at some point lied. Do not murder. But Jesus upped the ante on that one and said, if you hate your brother or your sister in your heart, then you are a murderer already. I would venture to say all of us have wrestled with hate and spite when it it comes to how we have thought of others at some point in our life. Jesus said, do not commit adultery. I'm sorry, the Ten Commandments said, do not commit adultery. And Jesus upped the ante and said, even if you lust after someone in your heart, you are an adulterer. So you are a murderer, adulterer, adulterer. And I could go on through the Ten Commandments, an idolater and a Sabbath-breaking liar and so am I. We are unable to fully obey the command of God, but the good news says the great exchange. He gives us his righteousness. He takes all of our sin. I'll say yes to that every day. Every morning when I wake up, your mercies are new. God, thank you. Here is the whole heap of my sin again, all the ways I missed the mark, including the ways I'm not even aware of. Thank you that you've clothed me in righteousness. What a gift. Now help me to go out and live the life you've called me to. Failure is our friend when it leads us to the good news. Verse 47, when he was still speaking, meaning Jesus, Judas, one of the 12 arrived. With him was a large crowd armed with swords and clubs sent from the chief priests and the elders of the people. Now the betrayer had arranged a signal with them. The one I kiss is the man, arrest him. Going at once to Jesus, Judas said, greetings, rabbi, and kissed him. Jesus replied, do what you came for, friend. Then the men stepped forward, seized Jesus and arrested him. With that, one of Jesus' companions reached for his sword, drew it out and struck the servant of the high priest, cutting off his ear. Now, the account of Matthew doesn't tell us this, but we know that it is Peter from one of the accounts of another gospel. So it, again, it is Peter stepping out against what Jesus told him must happen, misunderstanding and reacting in his passion and cutting off the ear. I can relate to Peter's passion and misunderstanding. Whenever we pursue God's plan over our own plan, we make a mess of things, sometimes cutting off people's ears, hopefully not literally, literally. Put your sword back in place, Jesus said to him, for all who draw the sword will die by the sword. Do you think I cannot call on my father and he will at once put at my disposal more than 12 legions of angels? But how then would the scriptures be fulfilled that say it must happen this way? In that hour, Jesus said to the crowd, am I leading a rebellion that you have come out with swords and clubs to capture me? Every day I sit. I sat in the temple courts teaching, and you did not arrest me. But this has all taken place that the writings of the prophets might be fulfilled. Then all the disciples deserted him and fled. Failure all around. Verse 57, those who had arrested Jesus took him to Caiaphas, the high priest, where the teachers of the law and the elders had assembled. But Peter followed him at a distance right up to the courtyard of the high priest. He entered and sat down with the guards to see the outcome. The chief priests and the whole Sanhedrin were looking for false evidence against Jesus so that they could put him to death. So the stakes have gone much higher. This is a very intense and terrifying moment. Verse 60, but they did not find any, though many false witnesses came forward. Finally, two came forward and declared, this fellow said, I am able to destroy the temple of God and rebuild it in three days. Then the high priest stood up and said to Jesus, are you not going to answer? What is the testimony that these men are bringing against you? But Jesus remained silent. The high priest said to him, I charge you under oath by the living God. Tell us if you are the Messiah, the son of God. You have said so, Jesus replied. But I say to all of you, from now on, you will see the son of man sitting at the right hand of the mighty one and coming on the clouds of heaven. Then the high priest tore his clothes and said, he has spoken blasphemy. Why do we need any more witnesses? Look, now you have heard the blasphemy. What do you think? He is worthy of death, they answered. Then they spit in his face and struck him with their fists. Others slapped him and said, prophesy to us, Messiah, who hits you? So this situation has elevated quickly. It is a dire Circumstance. The stakes are high. It is terrifying and shaking to the core. And this is where we see the prophesied failure of Peter, verse 69. Now, Peter was sitting out in the courtyard, and a servant girl came to him. You also were with Jesus of Galilee, she said, but he denied it before them all. I don't know what you're talking about, he said. Strike one against Peter for someone who had just said he would die for Jesus. Then he went out to the gateway where another servant girl saw him and said to the people there, this fellow was with Jesus of Nazareth. He denied it again with an oath. I don't know the man. Strike two. After a little while, those standing there went up to Peter and said, surely you are one of them. Your accent gives you away. Then Peter began to call down curses and swore. I don't know the man. Strike three. Immediately, a rooster crowed. Then Peter remembered the words of Jesus. Before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. And Peter went outside and wept bitterly. Failure for you, failure for me, is necessary. It's part of the story. Failure is painful. Peter wept bitterly. Next week, we're going to look especially at how failure is your friend when we look at the restoration of Peter. And one of the things I find so incredible is Peter was just rattled to the core, gripped with fear, betraying the one he most loves. Then immediately the rooster crowed. And Peter remembered that Jesus had prophesied this. Jesus had known that Peter was gonna do this well before Peter did. And Jesus still chose to love him. And Jesus still chose him as the rock that he would build his church on. Your failure does not have to alienate or separate you from the God who loves you, from Jesus who called you. Failure is part of the story. Let me remind you, despite your brokenness and all your failure, resurrection is coming. It's the bad news that makes the good news so incredibly good. And I'm so thankful that by God's grace, when I was 16, after my dad confronted me, a few days went by and the Lord began to soften my heart and show me the truth of what my dad Had spoken. It was really God speaking to me through my Father, which I'm so thankful for. I began to humble myself, and that's part of what sparked me asking the question in the first place do I even really know you, God? And if this this is all really true, I really want to know. It made me an honest seeker because it humbled me. So that failure, that confrontation of truth became one of my best friends ever because it led to the transformation of my life. When we humble ourselves, when we confess our need, like the song says, I need you. When you're in the middle of failure, you call out, I need you like never before. And let me assure you, God foreknew all of your failure. He foreknows all your future failure. So don't let pride build up in your heart, but rather accept the bad news and let it lead you to the good news. You could pray it with me right now. I don't know where you are in your heart. I don't know where you are in your mind. So as I pray, Jess is gonna come and we're gonna sing this simple chorus a few more times, but... Bow your heart, close your eyes with me wherever you are at home or if you're watching a broadcast sometime in the future. Lord, we believe you see exactly where we are right now. You are a God who is everywhere at all times and you know all things at all times and you're always all powerful and you're always good and you're always loving. So no matter where we find ourselves, you see us. Listen, friend, whoever's watching, no matter where you find yourself, God sees you. No matter how much of a failure you think you are, God already knew about it. And despite it, he says, I love you. Despite it, he says, you are my beloved. And despite the failure, in fact, because of the failure, he says, I will die for you and I will overcome sin and death and failure and the grave. I will defeat it and I have risen again. And I now give you the promise of resurrection. I now give you the promise of salvation, not by your own merit, but because I love you. This is the gospel. This is the good news. So, Lord, we receive that again today, or maybe for the first time today. We say, yes, we need you. We humble ourselves. We are all the same at your feet, King Jesus. lead us in the way everlasting. Lead us in the way that works. For those of us that feel especially stuck in failure, I pray that as we look at the next part of the story, next week, restoration, God, that you would make that a reality in people's lives. Do what only you can do, we pray in Jesus' name. Let's sing this simple chorus again. We pray you have a very blessed day today fun in the snow before it all melts. We thank you for tuning in and worshiping with us. Uh, If you're a new follower of Jesus, please email us at hello at gracelandchurch.com. Let us know. We'd love to partner with you. We'd love to resource you, pray with you, and just journey with you. That's what being the church is all about. Um, Next Sunday, uh, actually, I need to correct what I said earlier. Next Sunday, we have a guest speaker that you must come here, Gary Spell. And then the week after that, will be the next part of this message on restoration. So Sundays that we really don't want you to miss. I'm gonna pray this benediction out of 2 Thessalonians uh, 3.16, and we'll be done. Now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times and in every way. The Lord be with all of you in Jesus' name, amen. We love you guys very much. Have a great afternoon.